Natalie Schoen for Glasgow is a culinary nutrition expert, holistic health coach, nutritionist, personal trainer and best-selling author. She lives in Ottawa where she loves spending time exploring the outdoors, dreaming up new creations in the kitchen, but her real passion is teaching people how they can transform their lives through nutrition and exercise. Here's her story. Good morning, Michelle, and welcome to the Local Paleo Show. Hi, Ellen. I'm so excited to see you. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Mark, how are you? Wonderful, thank you. Wonderful, Alan. It's uh, great to be with you two again. I take it you are both wonderfully well. I am fantastic. Thanks, Mark. Super job. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know me. Even 10 a.m. is too early. <laughs> Michelle, when we last talked to Katie Smart, she suggested we chat with you. Um, you're a culinary nutritional expert, a mm -hmm. holistic health coach, nutritionist, and personal trainer. How did you come to where you are now? Yeah, it's a funny story. I actually met Kathy Smart many, many years ago when she was a nutritionist, and she, I went to her for nutrition advice. And I remember thinking what a cool job that she had back then. And of course, she has an even a more amazing job now with all her Live the Smart Way expos all across Canada. Um, so she's amazing. I love her. So full of energy. Um, so how did I get to where I am? Well, I was always very active. Uh, movement was always a part of my life. I started competitive gymnastics as a kid when I was four years old. And uh, I kept doing sports throughout high school. And then in university when I got there, um, the sports didn't really appeal to me as much. So I was looking to, for a way to stay fit. Uh, and I ended up joining a gym. And I fell completely in love with the gym, um, eventually ended up getting a job at a gym as a personal trainer. So um, I was training them and they would get fitter and they'd get stronger and they'd be able to do, you know, 10 push-ups, whereas before they could only do one. You know, all these amazing changes that really affected their health, but body composition and fat loss just wasn't coming at the rate that I thought it should have come based on the amount of effort they were putting in. Mm. Um, and of course, back then, I was listening to all kinds of nutrition advice that was popular at the time, um, which is what you know the media was telling us, what the government was telling us, which was basically, you can eat anything you want as long as it's fat-free, right? Um, so, you know, Twizzlers and popcorn and pretzels, I mean, that was what people consisted off of, boxes of, you know, dry cereal because there mm. was no fat in that. Um, and then eventually I ended up getting into bodybuilding. And of course, the bodybuilders have known kind of what they're doing for quite a long time in terms of, you know, getting the proteins and the fats and all those great things that your body needs. And that's when my whole view of nutrition started to change. Um, and about two years into bodybuilding, uh, my daughter actually ended up getting sick. Um, she was diagnosed uh, with autism, a form of autism called PDD-NOS, and um, it kind of came out of nowhere. It, it was a very quick uh, thing within a couple months, you know, she had been developing normally, um, and luckily I, we caught it early because we had lots of things, uh, three other kids we could compare it to, right, what normal development was, and then all of a sudden around the 12-month mark, um, she just stopped responding to us the way that she was. She stopped making eye contact. Uh, she'd go into the corner and play with the cabinet over and over. Uh, she stopped talking completely. She didn't want to be touched. She would scream when we would touch her. Um, and it was almost like she went behind this fog, like this kind of like a, a curtain. 
and she couldn't like she couldn't communicate with us anymore and we mm. couldn't reach her um and it was very it, it was really devastating for us um so what we ended up doing is we uh, took her to get um, diagnosed and of course the waiting lists are really long for that because i guess that, you know there's so many kids that are being diagnosed with autism right now and all mm. kinds of developmental disorders and so you know once we got her diagnosis we still had a two-year waiting list before we could access any of the services for her. And I just thought, you know, by the time two years is gone, I mean, she'll be lost completely because it was just getting worse and worse. And I thought, I can't wait. And I have nothing to lose by trying things in the meantime um, that, you know, are regarded as, as, you know, like a safe way to intervene on her behalf. And, of course, the one thing that I could could do was diet. Mm. Um and you probably, you know, read a lot back then. I mean, this is um, maybe five years ago or so. There wasn't a lot out there on nutrition and its impact. No. We're starting to see that now, the gut, right? The microbiome um, mm. and how that really can affect brain health. But back then, there wasn't a lot of that online. The only thing I could find was anecdotal evidence from parents saying, you know, a gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free diet worked for me. Mm. Um, all of the symptoms disappeared or some of the symptoms disappeared or it got better. And I thought, you know, that's one thing I can do right away. Yeah. So we changed the entire diet of the family. The whole family went free, um, dairy free and refined sugar free. And luckily there was an amazing doctor that's nearby us who has worked with a lot of kids um, who are on the spectrum. And he also gave us a, a really quite an intense therapeutic supplement plan to put my daughter on. In 10 days, and we couldn't believe this, so you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if other people doubt that this happened. I, I looked at my daughter, and for a split second, after not catching her eyes, I, I could swear that I saw her look at me, like just for like the split second. But by the time, uh, you know, by the time I called people over, it was gone, and I thought I was just imagining things. Um, of course, over time, this started happening more and more, and some of those symptoms started to disappear. Um, ultimately, it took about two years mm -hmm. um, for all those initial symptoms to be gone completely. Um, and now she's fully verbal. I mean, she goes to school. Um, she's happy, healthy. She plays sports. Um, you know, we feel very, very lucky um, that we were able to get the help of someone that, you know, the the information was online from parents. So I want to, yeah. you know, thank yeah. all those parents for having written that because without that, I mean, who knows where we would have been at this point. Yeah, yeah. And of course, so, I mean, there's, there's now there's now other things online like Dr. Shawna Young and um, other people mm -hmm. who have gone into that who've done a lot of the hard work that you had to find out for yourself. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a lot easier for for parents now to, I'll say, follow in your footsteps with even more guidance. Absolutely. So and oh, sorry, Mark. Um, no. um, so sorry. you do you do you definitely. Uh, saying that gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free is one way to help autistic children because I'm getting a lot of uh, pushback on that. A lot of autistic uh, parents, I mean, parents of autistic children uh, mm -hmm. or, or official channels claim that the diet has nothing to do to improve, uh, does nothing to improve the, the situation. So could you, uh -huh. could you confirm that? And then I have another question after that. 
Yes, absolutely. So for us, we had a few things going for us. Uh, the first thing was that we caught it when she was very young, um, which I think makes a big difference. Uh, I know I've read from a lot of parents and we, I've discussed with other parents in you know groups, support groups, that it hasn't worked for them um, if their kids are older. Um, now, the other qualification I want to make is that if you're going gluten-free and dairy-free, it also has to be whole foods based. Um, so it can't just be gluten-free bread from the store. Like you have to go to single whole foods, cook at home as nutrient dense as possible. We did lots of superfoods as well. Um, and that really worked for us. And I'm not saying it'll work for everyone because everyone is different. Um, everyone's biochemistry is different. Everyone's stage and intensity and severity of disease is different. So, um, I'm not going to claim that what we did works for everyone, but definitely, I mean, going to a whole foods diet, supplementing with therapeutic levels of supplementation, um, definitely, I'm convinced that you will see a difference. Okay, um, so. What that difference is, will you know, that's uh, going to be quite individual. Right. Um, I have um, a, a question pops into my mind as uh, as you were speaking. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have a natural uh, childbirth, or was yes. it a section? Okay. So it was a natural childbirth. Yes. So the whole microbiome uh, is is out of the picture. That is. Uh, um, as we interview more people, uh, I'm discovering that the, the style of birth is very important mm. to protect the child from yeah. Yeah. outside the tanks because your the mother own mm -hmm. uh, microbiome is is protecting the child. So that that was question one, and yeah, so you, that was natural birth. So that takes out of the picture. And did you breastfeed or did you uh, use formula? Uh, I did uh, breastfeed. But I do want to qualify this and whether this actually has an impact on what happened with my daughter, I don't know. I think there's so many questions we still need to answer when it comes to developmental disorders. But I did um, get the swine flu vaccine when I was eight months pregnant um, because at the time that was a huge thing. And of course, pregnant women were the first that were supposed to go get it. So I did. And I ended up getting very, very sick. I actually ended up with the swine flu, ended up in the hospital, ended up on Tamiflu. Um, so all those things were happening while she was, you know, in that last trimester. Um, and then, uh, you know, shortly after her 12-month vaccinations, she got very sick. Um, and again, you know, I'm not saying that's to blame necessarily, but all these different, you know, uh, environmental impacts uh, might have made a difference on her microbiome, on her immunity, on her ability to, for her brain to, you know, the synapses to, to work properly or to fuse or to connect. So um, there were some other things that were going on in that last part of my pregnancy. Okay. So, yeah, that was my other question. If there was mm -hmm. uh, an incident that would have uh, made her be, go from, you know, what she was to what she became, was there like vaccine or anything else that could have created that? Uh, the answer to the question is I'm, I'm not sure if uh, that's what led to uh, her developing autism or PDD-NOS. Um, I just know that that is, those were, uh, you know, significant events on her timeline. Um, and I think they're worth consideration, so. Right. Okay. And so I assume you also um, had probiotics to help, to mm -hmm. help with because have you have you actually done a test on the uh, microbiome to see if it was uh, there was any kind of uh, digestive issue because typically 
my understanding, and again, I'm not, I don't have your experience in that because you're the mom, but typically autistic children have inflammated bowels. Um, well, we did, again, when we worked with the doctor, he ran a lot of tests. Um, we did some stool tests and things like that, and there were things that came back as unusual. Um, we did actually register her with the um, American Gut um, Project as well, so that was quite interesting, but I'm not an expert in, you know, how to read that yet. Uh, but she is with uh, registered with them as am I and the rest of the family. Um, but yeah, we put we were put on. Uh, she was put on high doses of probiotics. Um, she was put on vitamin D. She was put on a multivitamin. Um, she was put on vitamin C as well. I mean, she was on so many supplements at the time, and I was nervous at first um, because that was when I really wasn't so familiar with supplementation and you know vitamins and minerals and how they work. And of mm -hmm. course, now I know that they are very safe. Um, as long as you're working with someone who knows what they're doing. Um, but at the time, I wasn't aware, and, but it was better than nothing, you know. Um, and, and I put my trust in, in that doctor. He had had some amazing results. And so now I'm really glad. And then I ended up getting certified in uh, therapeutic uh, supplementation as well myself mm -hmm. because I wanted to learn why it worked, right? Um, and it's really an amazing subject matter, and there's so much depth into, you can go into. I mean, I feel, even though I... I'm certified. I feel like you, I only know the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that we don't know. And of course, we're constantly discovering new vitamins and minerals, right? So the ones that we know about now, we might know about another three and 10 years time. So you were very lucky to find a doctor that was supportive of that. Yeah, that mm -hmm. typically it's not the case. Absolutely. Yeah, we got very lucky. That was my research of hours and hours of research uh, online, Googling everything to do with autism. So yeah. Well, good for you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Thank you. A little bit told me you already have written two cookbooks, Smart mm -hmm. Snacking for Sports and Help Yourself to Seconds. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about these books and are uh, you working on a, another one? Sure. Uh, so Smart Snacking for Sports is uh, an ebook. It's uh, basically about uh, different kinds of snacks for pre, post, and post-workout. It also has a section on breakfast. Uh, it's completely gluten-free and dairy-free and refined sugar-free, of course, because um, I do speak to a lot of sports teams, and I like to encourage them to really look at whole foods options for snacking rather than going to the processed foods we can get in stores and the kind of foods we typically see um, you know, people snacking on. Um, so that's why I wrote that one. It was actually for the Gloucester um, Hornets initially, and then uh, it was quite popular, so I ended up selling it online. Um, and then I wrote my second book, which was in print. It's called Help Yourself to Seconds. Um, it was actually launched just this spring um, and also gluten-free, dairy-free, refined, sugar-free. And it contains a story about what happened to my daughter in the beginning. And there was a whole section on, you know, lifestyle, um, how to eat healthy, how to set up your kitchen, how to meal prep and things like that. In your, in your profession, do you find a lot of... Uh, uh, at least with uh, food allergies and, uh, you know, gluten allergies, dairy allergies, and so on. Mm -hmm. All the time. And I rarely see someone come into my practice um, who wants a meal plan or who wants me to help them with uh, setting up them on a, on a healthier diet who doesn't have some kind of intolerance one way or another. Um, mm. And that is, that's a big bulk of my clientele, actually. It's, I specialize in food intolerances and allergies, and I can write you know, meal plans that are vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, uh, 
a combination of all of those. <laughs> um, you name it, I've done some pretty crazy combinations before too. But again, that's where the individuality comes and people have to do what, you know, is right for them. And one diet isn't the right diet for everybody. So no, that's very yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. So you and I in the same business. Mm -hmm. Are you working on another book? I am. I'm working on two right now, actually. And? And <laughs> you want more info? Um, okay, I'll as, give you as much as much as you can say without giving too much away. Is it okay. uh, is it a state secret, or you're afraid the NSA is going to hear about it? <laughs> uh, I'll no, give you a little. Piece it's of. the Olympic team that might hear about it and do better. Exactly, exactly. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, big fan of the Olympics. Um, so the first one I'm working on is actually it's a uh, plant-based cookbook. And um, I am working on that because I am fascinated and uh, Alain, you might, um, you know, feel the same way with uh, vegan cooking, like the creations that they can create is just fascinating to me. So I wanted to teach myself more about that. And so I decided to write a book about it because what better way to teach yourself than to write a book, right? Um, and my second one is uh, about the female trifecta. So it is the um, connection between food, mood, and exercise um, because I see so many women struggling with that. So I really wanted to take some time and, and address that. Right. So I, I absolutely understand where you're coming from as far as the vegan vegetarian. Mm -hmm. This is what I this is what I teach. Uh, I teach part time uh, class uh, to uh, my students: uh, vegetarian, vegan, Ayurvedic, microbiotic, and I teach. Oh, food great! I teach food as medicine. So this is um, I I understand exactly what you uh, you're talking about. Amazing. Um, well. You know, we, uh, it sounds like we are on the same page and we are both passionate about keeping people healthy through food. Absolutely. I'll have to come and visit you and you'll have to teach me how to, some of your creations. I want to learn from you. you um, yeah, this is a professional uh, course, so it takes six months. But yeah. you're, welcome to, you're welcome to come and visit and I'll show you around for sure. I would love that. Thank you. So on a slightly lighter subject, uh, what are you... I mean, you, you sound to me like you're an overachiever, but you have time for fun. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't think anyone has time for fun anymore. I mean, really, we're so busy nowadays. I mean, I find that people are just working. They're connected all the time. And we have kind of forgotten how to go and have fun. Um, I forgot. I actually got to the point where I was working 18-hour days, um, including weekends, and I just totally burnt out. Uh, and so I really had to kind of take a hard look at my life and what my priorities were and how to schedule in fun and relaxation. So that's my summer. I'm working on that this summer, actually, um, because that's a hard thing for people that are passionate about what they do, right? Yeah, it's yeah. hard to stop working. Um, but you can't work. You need that um, way to recover and relax and rest and to be able to come back and work better. So, so this that's, year, oh, sorry, go ahead. I find that interesting what you, uh, the comment you said, you have to schedule in. Mm -hmm. That's a very North American way of looking at it. In France, I know. It's almost France, not Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In France, we don't schedule anything. We just enjoy life. 
I know, and you guys do it so well. I actually lived in Vienna for 12 years, and so I traveled all around Europe, and uh, you do it so well. I mean, there really is that sense of, of balance and knowing, you know, how important it is uh, to enjoy life while we're here because you never know how long that life is going to be. And uh, it's, it's just that joie de vivre, right? Like, just amazing. Yeah. So besides your children, what do you do for fun? Do okay. Know? So for fun, I, uh, my new thing is I love paddle boarding. So every year I try and um, find something like a challenge uh, to compete in, like a marathon or a triathlon or adventure race or obstacle course. So this year, instead of you know, being that type A competitive thing, I decided to do something that is just more relaxing and paddle boarding was it. Um, so I've been learning how to paddle board, spending time on the water, which I find is really peaceful and calming, very zen for me. It, you know, forces me to put my phones away, everything away, and just spend some time on the water um, with myself. And that is something that I'm, I'm really loving. I haven't bought a paddle board yet, but it's on my list of things uh, to do. Um, and I also hike. I love hiking with my dog. We go into the woods every day uh, for at least an hour, um, and I hike on the weekends as well now with my kids, and I, you know, put aside, you know, at least one full day to not do anything, no social media, no phones, nothing. Okay, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to uh, argue <laughs> with you. That still sounds like a lot of work. It and is. It's a me, work in for, progress. For me, it's more like, you know, taking a nap, enjoying a good meal, dancing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. those, are, those are fun things and there's no competition in the picture at all it's just yeah. yourself yeah. so uh, we need to work on you to push you toward a little more uh, okay <laughs> you know, well, you we'll have some wine we'll go yes. sit on a dock watch the sunset and drink some wine together how's that that sounds like a plan yes okay perfect <laughs> thank you uh so we we talked about diet, but what is your personal diet now? Uh, so I don't really, I don't define uh, my diet. I guess the, the biggest thing that I could say is that I, I eat a whole foods diet. Um, I try and make everything from scratch. 99% uh, of what I eat is from scratch. I love spending time in the kitchen as well. And right now we're growing a garden in the backyard. So I cook a lot of what I grow, um, which is really my, you know, summertime pleasure as well. Um, a lot of plants, um, but I do like my meat as well. Um, but I would say it's a mainly plant-based diet with some paleo thrown in. <laughs> if I had to, you know, pick some things to define. No, no, that's great. I mean, uh, everyone's diet is different. Uh, do mm -hmm. you have a current uh, favorite recipe? Um, I do. I actually, it seems like a weird thing for, you know, summertime, but I have a um, herb roasted chicken recipe in my cookbook, Help Yourself to Seconds. Uh, it's so good. It's made with avocado oil. It's really simple. You just basically, you know, slather the oil on and some spices and throw in the oven. Uh, and it's just, it comes out absolutely perfect. So I love that. Um, and I really like, and I'm sure a lot of you've done a lot of this, love um, banana and ice cream, right? So ice cream, <laughs> bananas, and other stuff. <laughs> you put the bananas in the freezer, you just pull them out, and you can make anything. And yeah. what surprises me, though, and I think this is like an undiscovered gem, is that no one makes frozen bananas. Like, they don't sell that. So I always yeah. have to go and buy, you know, six bundled bushels of bananas and then wait till they ripen and put them in the freezer and uh, someone can make so much money off of that because I would buy them all. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, com- convenience, the American convenience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You uh, you might want to add some uh, cashews to that to make mm-hmm. it uh, to, to get have, some help with that. You know, I love you have cashews. A, yeah. I assume, I assume you have a high-powered blender. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not going to name names here, but oh, go on, name uh, names. Since <laughs> since they're not paying us for advertising, there's no reason to advertise them. But if you use one of those uh, high-powered mixers, you can easily blend your uh, the cashews into mm-hmm. the ice cream, make it even more creamy, uh, smooth. You know. Yeah, I love my Vitamix. I'm gonna say it right here. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. I highly recommend everybody gets one. So, yeah. I finally broke down, and at the last Paleo Effect uh, Paleo Effects event, I actually bought one. Oh, good for you! So years of using it in, in professional kitchen, I finally got one at home. <laughs> nice. I, I was using this little rickety old, uh, you know, regular blender, you know. Oh. <laughs> well, it worked for me, so now finally yeah. I, I get to play with the 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 big toys. Absolutely, and you can make so much fancy stuff now, right? Like so quickly too. Yeah. yeah. So it's efficient and they also very healthy too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I just uh, personally, I um, there's a big argument between the you know juicing versus uh, blending or smoothies. Uh, I personally prefer to keep all the fiber with my uh, with my drink, not not just filter it out. So totally, the- totally agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the only time that. Um, I recommend juicing is really just to get that huge influx of vitamins and minerals that are really quickly absorbed when people need it. Um, but the rest of the time, absolutely keep the fiber in, make smoothies. I am on, on board with you there. Okay. Well, you, um, you sort of alluded to this earlier that uh, everyone is different, but uh, when you work with clients, do you just... Um, uh, create a special diet just for them, or do you have like a, a general diet, for example, the kind you follow yourself when you talk to clients? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everyone that I work with, um, I always make a customized plan. Um, nothing's ever, uh, you know, I don't repurpose things. Um, it is based, I mean, there are certain key elements that I include in all the plans, and that one is that is whole foods based. I mean, that's pretty much for everybody. Um, of course, if someone comes to me and they're coming off of like chips and chocolate bars and hot dogs, you know, that transition to whole foods might be a bit slower with them um, because you have to meet people where they are, right? Or you'll lose them. So uh, I think that is important. I'm a huge fan of, you know, making one change happen at a time. Um, and really working on change psychology and incorporating that with my clients Um, because I I had uh, read a stat that, you know, if you try to, if you incorporate one change at a time, you're 70% chance of success. If you incorporate two, it drops, I think, 30 or 40%. So why would you do that, you know? So one change at a time is is really kind of where I'm at with that. And, yeah, I just, I meet them where they are. I try to, um, you know, again, uh, put lots of vegetables in their diet, make sure they have protein at most meals, and make sure that they have healthy fats and that they drink a lot of water. And those are kind of the underlining principles beca- behind any plan I make, whether it's vegan or paleo or gluten-free. Right. I'm glad you made that point because um, in the beginning when I was uh, started to do consulting with uh, private clients, I was kind of, to be honest with you, I was kind of a food nazi. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. If, You're a chef. That's yeah, what you do. Yeah, if they didn't follow my my plan exactly, oh. I was gonna get upset, you know. And but yeah. so I'm glad you insert that in there because it took me a while to get to the point to understand that not everyone can be as disciplined as I am mm -hmm. and uh, be more much more progressive in my approach. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. it's Absolutely, it's important to know that we all at different levels or in our in the path to health. And then for for us consultants or you know nutritionists to understand that to take it one step at a time and, and, and be more supportive, which I was probably not very supportive in the beginning for sure. I think <laughs> so. we've all been there though. We all learn from that, right? I mean, you know, when you're so good at it whether it's fitness or cooking or, uh, you know, nutrition, you assume everyone else is at your level and it's hard to kind of bring yourself back to where you were yeah. when you first started, right? Um, yeah. So I try and remember that. And, uh, yeah, we've all been there. We've all started hardcore and then kind of taken some steps back and realized, you know, that's not necessarily the way to go. So, Right, right. And I've also learned, and, and that's probably something to do with the type A personality too. We mm -hmm. just, like, you know, get it done, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, another thing I learned from my teaching is that as a chef, especially when you work in professional men, you tend to assume that when you're telling a, you know, you a chef or someone else in the kitchen, do this, that they already have the basis to know what you're talking about. Mm. You don't have to explain yeah. everything. As a chef, you have no time to explain everything. So you just tell them, do this, do that, and either they get it, or if they don't get it, they're going to be you know, yell that pretty much. So uh, my teaching has taught me that every student starts at a different level. You have some people who are very adept in the kitchen. They cook. They started cooking when they were very young. And some of them completely don't have a clue on how to cook, down to the what we, you and I probably consider to be basics, like uh, boiling water and you know, cooking an egg. Basically, what I've learned from teaching my students is that I have people from completely different background as far as cooking. You mm -hmm. know, from, from someone that had, uh, you know, cooks and maids and nannies to do everything for them to yeah. someone that learned to cook with their grandmother or their mother, you know, when they were five, six years old. So there's, and I've learned to, uh, to not take for granted that they know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. this, is, mm -hmm. this is something as cancer that we need to keep in mind too as well. That's a really good point, yeah. Can you uh, give your version of that? Maybe you have a better way of explaining this? No, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's, uh, you know, for me, it's been fitness, what is for you cooking, where, um, you know, it was such a part of my life when I was four, that moving has always been something that I've done uh, for hours a day. And to me, it provides me with this immense pleasure. I can't imagine not doing it. Um, but for some people, it's the opposite. I mean, it's a huge struggle to mm. even want to get outside and go for a walk. Um, and so trying to keep that in mind when I'm programming, you know, workouts for clients or finding ways to get them to want to move um, is really important to keep that in mind um, and finding ways that it'll make it fun for them to learn to enjoy uh, exercise or whatever the, uh, you know, the topic might be. So. Right. I suppose you're familiar with uh, Daryl Edwards? 
No. No? Mark, you want to explain? Darryl. Sorry? You want to explain who Daryl is? And he's a movement, he's a British Oh, yes, yeah, he's the, he's, the, he's the guy who likes to have uh, fun to move, doesn't he? Sort of. Yeah. Daryl's, um, we interviewed him, oh, must be about six months ago. Okay. And uh, his, his whole emphasis is on movement should be fun. So mm -hmm. rather than getting people to exercise, he gets people just to have fun, you know, to play with each other, to do silly games, to, you know, just, I use the term let their hair down. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and not to think of exercise as being something formal. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just an, an excuse to play, like, like we used to play as kids. You know, I mean, I come from a generation where schools used to have yards where you could play and they had climbing yeah. frames and um, there was always some sort of outside activity. And if there wasn't, you made it up. You were running around after each other and, and things like that. And you didn't have fat kids when I was at school. And mm -hmm. if you did, they were really the exception because mm -hmm. movement was something you did in break. It, you know, you went off and did stuff. Whereas nowadays, right. when, when you look at you know, kids at school, a lot of them don't take the opportunity. It's almost as if it's been programmed out of their idea of what fun is. Right. Not only that, but there's also the paranoia issue where everybody is afraid nowadays that their kids are going to get hurt. And so the kids are not even allowed to have fun or to run around mm -hmm. and, and play games. I mean, I, I remember playing some games where... Um, yeah, we were playing with uh, bows and arrows that we made ourselves, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we made ourselves, and then we would shoot at each other, and, you know, we could have really hurt somebody with that because uh, some of these arrows were actually pretty sharp, right? I mean, there were, yeah. there were bamboos, and, you know, I mean, we, we made it up. We ran around. We didn't have helmets. We were riding our bicycles. We were climbing trees. I mean, sometimes you fall. Sometimes you scrape your knees. Yeah. You know. Nowadays, it seems like kids are way overprotected. They don't know how to play anymore. Actually, Ellen, it's a funny story, but I was playing bows and arrows, and I actually got shot in the hand when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> they used me for target practice. Um, no, but, uh, yeah. but you know what I mean, right? It's like uh, there's such a fear of kids nowadays to to get hurt, overprotected, over, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's just weird. It's just not natural. Yeah, and, and luckily I have four kids, so I can't really keep an eye on all of them at the same time, so they get to go and run around and do stuff unsupervised. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding a bit here, but, you know, it helps you be a little bit more um, relaxed about it once you've had so many, and then you see, you know, well, if they fall, they just scrape themselves, you wash it off, and you move on, right? Um, and for me, I really wanted to have kids who are, you know, outdoors, who, you know, can, you know, have those skills to be able to, you know, climb a tree, you know, on their right. own if they wanted to, and go to the park and ride a bike and all those things that a lot of us just don't do anymore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I have uh, outdoorsy kids, and in fact, they're signed up for a class called Outdoor Class that they go to every Saturday for four hours, and there's a outdoor expert who takes them out into the woods and teaches them how to build fires and teaches them how to whittle wood and teaches them what plants are edible and which ones aren't and how to build forts. It's actually a really amazing class. Yeah, yeah. sounds like my, it. My, my school in that was Boy Scouts. I was yeah. a Boy Scout and then my son became a Boy Scout later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another issue related to that is that nowadays kids don't 
don't choose to go out and have fun because they are so caught up in their video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't get me started with Poke- Poke- was it Pokemon. Pokemon, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, you know, my mother's, my mother's standard position is get out of the house. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want you to be in my feet. Go out and play. That was the rule. And you come back when the sun sets so or when I call you. But meanwhile, stay outside. Nowadays, it's like, uh, again, maybe for fear of getting hurt, parents tend to keep their kids inside. Well, I just kicked my kids out of the house before the show and told them not to come back till it was over. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hear you. I mean, they're older. They're, uh, these are the two older kids, so they're 14 and 16 almost, but still, like, even they have to get outside, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to business. Um, I understand you offer a sorted service to your clients. Can you tell us more? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, so I do uh, nutrition and exercise coaching. Um, I usually work, um, right now I'm working a lot one-on-one with people, uh, but my I'm actually finding that I don't have the amount of time to see everybody one-on-one that I would like to, so I'm moving into a lot more group coaching online. Um, my ultimate goal is to be able to do that from all over the world and travel and sit by the you know volcano or poolside and be able to still you know talk with clients. So I'm moving a lot of my offerings that way. But for now, I do do a lot of one-on-one coaching. I usually work for client, with clients an average of about a three-month period um, because I find that's the amount of time they need to be able to you know, learn the information, make them into a habit. I introduce it slowly and then to have it stick and become you know, a lifestyle. Um, and I like to give them, you know, I give them recipes. I give them meal plans if that's what they want, workouts. But we also work on you know, other aspects like stress management, making sure that they get enough sleep, doing a lot of self-care, things that people kind of forget about um, and that's really the deep and the important stuff you know the nutrition the fitness stuff you know once you know what you're doing you know anyone can do it if you believe in yourself and if you have self-confidence and if you think that you're worth it Um, if you don't think that you're worth it you're not going to end up doing any of it so that that deep stuff is what is really important but it takes a while to get there so yeah yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned sleep because um a, a, a lot of the North American, and that includes Canada, uh, frame of mind is like busy, 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 always do, 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 but mm-hmm. they all don't learn, don't take enough time to relax, to meditate, to sleep, maybe to do uh, yoga or tai chi or anything that would be more slowing down. Can you tell us about this? What's your position on that? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, when you're exercising intensely um, or your body is not at its optimal health because you have certain, you know, illnesses or symptoms, then you have to sleep. I mean, it's imperative, probably more important than anything else um, because that's when your body is recovering, right? And it's healing itself. Um, and thinking that we can go and get, you know, get by with four hours or six hours of sleep, like that's, it's going to catch up with you eventually. Um, the thing is, we've also forgotten how to sleep. And if we have hormonal imbalances or if we have a lot of stress, that prevents our sleep. So figuring out ways in our lifestyle to bring that stress down, to balance those hormone levels, balance blood sugar levels so that you can get a good night's sleep. You know, like all the studies, again, you know, they show like eight, plus hours, you know, at least seven. And we actually, in 1950, I think it was, uh, we used to sleep nine hours. You know, now the average is 6.9. So that's three hours less or two hours less than what we used to sleep, two hours less. So, you know, trying to get that time back 
um, is really important to let the body heal, to be able to have fast metabolisms, you know, to be able to function mentally um, in optimal health as well. So, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you also do speaking engagements. Uh, do you have some mm -hmm. coming up? I do. I'm actually going to be speaking at uh, the CanFit Pro World Fitness Expo um, in August, beginning of August, and I have uh, three sessions I'll be speaking on there. Uh, the first one is How to Outsmart Your Sweet Tooth, and I'll be speaking on Food and Mood, the gut-brain connection, again, based on my experience with my daughter, too. Um, and then the last one is a nutritional approach to pain management, so how to manage both acute and chronic pain through nutrition and supplementation. So the, you made me curious, as a pastry chef, how do I outsmart my sweet tooth? Oh, well, again, I'll give Take you one out. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, like, set up your environment so you're not around all the sugar. Is That's really number one, is that, you know, set up your environment for success. Um, you know, out of sight is out of mind, and... Uh, the book Mindless Eating is fantastic for that. They basically show you, you know, even if you take, you know, a candy bar or candy on your shelf and you move it into your cabinet and you close the door, you're going to be much less likely to eat it. So something that simple with my clients is something that I, you know, those are habits that I help them implement. Um, some of my clients have actually, you know, they've said, well, I can't, I can't, you know, uh, take my junk food for my children, like those are their treats, or my husband. And so I say, well, don't take it away. Just move it into the basement. Put it in the box, put it in the basement, and tell them they can go down and have it anytime they want to. But you know what? Chances are no one's going to walk down to the basement and get it, or at least it's going to decrease the amount of time that you're going to indulge. So something that simple can be a really good step. Um, of course, doing things like incorporating protein at every meal, which will keep your blood sugar levels balanced and having healthy fats. Those are two other really great steps as well. So, and you'll, if you want to learn more, you'll have to come and watch me speak in, uh, in August. Right. Yeah, yeah. If, you, um, if you invite me, I'll come over. Yes, uh, please do. You know, it, it's, it's any wonder that after 45 years of being a, pretty much a pastry chef, I'm not 400 pounds, maybe. Because, because you guys know how to eat. You know how to eat balanced meals. You know how to include the vitamins and minerals so you don't have those cravings, right? You know how to rest and relax and do things that bring you joy and not just getting it from sugar or from yeah. sweets, right? right, right? right. But keep in mind, when I started in this business, I was 16 years old. I had no idea of any idea about nutrition. So what worked for me, and this is it's kind of funny, but my chef... Uh, knew exactly, you know, what the deal was because he probably had seen it happen over and over again. So in the beginning when I started to work in a pastry shop, I ate pastries all the time because mm -hmm. I, when I was a kid, I didn't have access to fine pastries. And he, um, he allowed me to eat so much that I got really sick. I mean, literally <laughs> sick, sick, you know, from... Uh, uh, gagging, you know, throwing up and all that. And after that, that was it. I was done with it. Mm -hmm. You didn't want it anymore? No. no. Yeah. So uh, that was a, a very smart way to um, let me uh, realize that too much sugar is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So after that, it's like, uh, I guess I was off sugar. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't like desserts, but I'm very, very uh, careful about the the quality and the quantity of it nowadays. 
Mm -hmm. And I find too that, you know, when you do switch to a whole foods diet, um, your taste buds do readjust. So you're Mm -hmm. not constantly craving that hyper sweetness and that hyper saltiness that we're used to in processed foods. And a lot of the, you know, our tastes just start to change. Um, And of course, when we have vitamins and minerals as well, our body, those those uh, cravings start to dissipate too. So there's a lot more that comes into play. I mean, even sleep, you know, um, our hunger levels go up when we're not sleeping enough. So sleeping enough is important. I mean, there's there's so many things that we could talk about in relation to sugar yeah. cravings. It's a very good point too. As uh, as my palate has gone much cleaner the past few years because of uh, my diet, I've noticed that when I eat at a restaurant, typically the food is oversalted and oversweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I, you know, and I called the chef in and say, "What's the, what's the problem with the salt here?" And he's like, "I don't think it's too salty, mm-hmm. right?" But my friend now, Roger, my friend Roger, which is he's another chef. We go out to a restaurant once a month, and almost every single time, the food is too salty. Yeah, and you know, you don't realize it if that's what you're, you know, you're used to. I still remember when I gave up sugar completely um, for three weeks as an experiment, so not from fruit, not from milk, like nothing, no carbs um, other than vegetables. And then I went back and I ate a sweet potato and a tomato and a carrot, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are so sweet. I didn't even realize that those are really sweet vegetables, right? Mm. Um, And that was kind of like a wake-up call to me to say, you know, we are relying on this kind of food way too much, and it's just over-sweetened and over-salted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why they made carrot cake and and tomato Mm -hmm. salad. So, Mm -hmm. Mark, your turn. My turn. Oh, okay. Um, I want to dive back to something we were talking about earlier on when we were talking about supplements Mm -hmm. Um, how do you handle using supplements with your clients what what level do you come in at for instance at the type of supplements they should use how much they should use and so on um, so basically depending on uh, what they're dealing with and where they need the support, uh, we do a lot of symptomatology as well um, so that I know where they might be struggling. So we talk about, uh, when I do an intake, I talk about, I ask them about their sleep. I ask them about how, you know, if they have any hormone issues. I ask them what their skin is like. I ask them if they have migraines. Uh, you know, I go through a whole list of symptoms that um, would give me an idea as to what deficiencies might be occurring or where they might need extra support. Um, and then we also do blood work um, so I will send them uh, with a note to their doctor requesting that certain blood work is run so for example if my client comes in they're just exhausted all the time you know I would ask for iron and B12 and things like that and uh, so that I know exactly how much we would need to supplement as well mm-hmm. and usually doctors are really good with that uh, if I explain what we're looking for and why we want it and then based on those things, I would recommend a, a supplement a regime for them. And uh, I would give them specific brand recommendations, you know, the whole bit as well. Um, of course, I always tell them that they need to talk to their doctor when supplementing, making sure there's no interactions, um, and that their doctor needs to approve the protocol before they start anything. Excellent. Now, do you have any particular brands that you trust? I do. Excellent. So you've got quite sort of you're quite confident that they are doing the job they should be doing because I mean, there is um, particularly when you go to the drugstore type uh, brands, mm-hmm. there are a lot of problems with those. They're they're artificial. They might be GMO. Um, yep. 
So all of the ones that you use are at the top of their game then? Absolutely. And I also always make sure that they do third-party testing. So I look for that. I look for, um, I go on their websites, make sure mm. that all the ingredients are listed, that, you know, that they're approved by, uh, you know, Health Canada, mm. um, that they have a natural product number. Um, I look for any studies that they might have been done, whether they're on their own website or whether they're in PubMed, um, to look at those kind of um, results before I recommend anything. Mm. And I always like to be conservative. So when I do start them on something, we always, you know, reassess every couple of weeks to see what's going on, if there's any kind of interactions or, mm. or symptoms that could have arisen. And I do like them to kind of, um, you know, slowly increase the dosages too, so that if there was anything, we can catch it on uh, right away. Super. Well, the reason I ask that is because people are always looking for, I use the term a shortcut, and yes. many times they, they are bewildered by the variety that they have. So that's why you know, I personally like to ask other professionals what products they, they trust, what products they're happy to recommend. So thank you for that. Super yes, good. absolutely. And and basically, you know, I work with a lot of different companies, uh, you know, professional lines, because I find that, you know, everyone's better at something. So, you know, depending on what the client's needs are, um, I might choose a different kind of multivitamin. So there's not one best multivitamin for everybody. It will kind of depend on what their needs are and um, what they might be struggling with. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it's, okay. it really is a case of opening up people's horizons to the better makes. And people should always do their research, like spend some time um, looking at those companies. And I'm actually publishing an article, it's funny that you say that on my website, about how to choose good uh, supplement, good quality supplement companies and what to look for when you're looking to choose those. So you can take a look at my website, michellevedroska.com. Uh, that will be up there next week. Super job. Now, mm -hmm. you're a mum with four kids. A lot of the ladies who look at, uh, at the show and also who come on to Low Carb Mag, one of their big questions is, how do I lose weight after I've had kids? So mm -hmm. What are your top tips for that? Uh, breastfeed is number one, probably. Mm -hmm. um, that is a, a very efficient way to help you lose weight. I mean, not that that's why you should be doing it, but it's great for the baby and for you. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, I do want to caution people that if you're breastfeeding, you have extra um, nutrients that you will need. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, during pregnancy too, um, all those vitamins and minerals that are in mom, well, they're going to go to the baby because the baby is the most important. So the mom could actually become deficient during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so after giving birth, it's just good to be aware that because if you're feeling really tired and exhausted it could be that you're you know iron deficient or b12 deficient so it might be good to run some of those tests to look at that um but after baby get outside um you know there's once you're cleared by your doctor there's lots of classes stroller size classes um outdoor fitness classes uh, yoga with baby you know and just start to get outside and move more and again it's about incorporating that natural movement into your day um, then that will help naturally get some of that weight off. And of course, you know, eating a, a whole foods diet, you know, going, I know it's hard because you have the baby, um, you know, but there's things like meal delivery services you could use um, that are based on whole foods. I've seen those in almost every city now. Um, you could deliver those to your door. Um, and, you know, just go with the basics. Start with your vegetables, your fruits, and then build on top of that. Super. And uh, another thing is you're not eating for two anymore. Yes, you're not eating for two anymore, and you also need more water, right? Water is really mm. important so that you have that breast milk production if you are breastfeeding as well, um, and it'll keep you from feeling hungry. I'm actually, I have a big glass of water here, 
And I don't know if you can see that, but I love to flavor it with um, strawberries and fresh basil for my garden. And I find that I drink more water, not that I have this interview, but normally I do because I like the flavor of it and I'm getting the extra vitamins and minerals as well. So. Yeah, I, I found it um, ironic that you have all these water companies trying to sell you small waters, flavored water, everything. All you need to do is just put a little squeeze of lemon and a couple of mm -hmm. fruits in your water. That's it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it tastes it's, so much better. Yeah. And it's, it's very simple, very easy, yeah. very simple. And you don't have to overpay for your water. Mm -hmm. And you don't get crappy ingredients either in it. Well, and then sometimes I feel like my water is smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it says more water on the bottle, right? So, so does that make yeah. me stupid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a deep suspicion of things that have smart written on them. Yep. I agree. If it has to convince you that it's healthy, it's probably not. That's what Kathy Smart says. So I love that quote. Uh, she's the only exception. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Kathy Smart. <laughs> um, you spoke earlier about finding ways to encourage people to move. Mm -hmm. Can you suggest two or three ways that you know people might use to encourage themselves to get out and do mo and move and do some exercise without really even knowing they're exercising? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it depends on if you're looking for just in general movement or like at the workplace. Um, for the workplace, one thing that I recommend is, you know, that people actually schedule themselves uh, water breaks and they go fill up their water on a different floor um, just to make themselves have to or go to the washroom on a different floor even just to get those extra steps in. Um, but just in general, just moving more is uh, something that a lot of my clients really enjoy and it seems like a, a very modern or North American thing, but using an app um, like to count your steps. Um, it can be really motivational for a lot of people, right? They want to hit that goal of 10,000 steps. And it's something that everyone can do, which is why I like it. And since most of us carry phones nowadays, um, it's a great motivator just to keep moving and being more active. Um, you know, anything from moving, going to the park with your kids. If they're playing soccer, you don't have to sit on the bench and watch them the whole time. You know, you can go to the playground and do some push-ups on the stairs or, you know, just do some walking around or do some jumping jacks. I mean, anything mm. like that. And really using, again, technology at home. And, you know, of course, I'd rather everyone go outside in the woods and hike mountains and lift heavy things outside, like big rocks, but that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, use technology online. There's so many free fitness videos on YouTube, every single kind that, you know, of exercise that you would want from Zumba to lifting weights to high-intensity interval training to yoga, mm. Pilates. So go on there, find a free one, find the channel that you like, subscribe to it, get up in the morning and just start doing that kind of exercise. Mm. Um, something that you really enjoy, right? Um, and or if you're an outdoorsy person, try paddle boarding or hiking or, you know, just spending more time with your dog, playing yeah. with your kids. Yeah, right, I mean, right. I, I mean, have I'm, a... a a silly question. Do you consider Pokemon Go as exercise? <laughs> you know what? Um, I would consider that activity, right? So I really try and um, when I work with clients, I try to differentiate for them that, you know, if you're going to exercise, you know, focus on the exercise, make it intentional if this is what your goal is, let's say it's fat loss, and then the rest of the time you want to be active, right? Mm. And there's a difference because people can exercise and be really inactive. They can sit eight hours, 10 hours, and come home, watch four hours of Netflix, but they exercise at lunch, so it's okay. Yeah. Well, no, 
right? We still need to start being more active in our daily lives. We've gotten used to this incredibly sedentary lifestyle. Oh, yeah. um, so just try and figure out more ways to move or stand, uh, you know, a sit-stand workstation, you know, that works really well. I know, um, I know that, Mark, I think you're using one right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a great way, you know, just to keep the metabolism up. And like I said, walk more, bike more, you know, commute a different way instead of being in the car. Um, those are other great ways to be more active. Yeah, I mean, a standing workstation does make a huge difference. I have a good suggestion for you. Uh, if you want to uh, work standing, uh, be a chef. Yes, get a more active job. <laughs> yeah, as I, I, told, I used to tease my, uh, my assistant, say, you don't need to pay for a health club with me. You get plenty of exercise working in the kitchen. You know, lift, <laughs> lifting, yeah. running, you know. So there's... There's no need for any of that. That's probably why I'm still in good shape, considering, you know, Could 45 be. years yeah. will, keep you, will keep you going, for sure. A absolutely, oh, yeah. and unfortunately, yeah. most of us are just, are not like that. Most of us has de have desk jobs, right? So figuring out ways we can work with people that have desk jobs, how to incorporate that activity. Um, you know, we have to work with what the current reality is. And, of course, I wish we could all be outdoors all the time, you know, be hunter-gatherers again, but I don't think most people would be on board with me on that one, so. Yeah, possibly not. Now, you've given us a huge amount of information. You did mention it earlier, but mm -hmm. can you tell us what your website is again? Yes, it's michellevedraska.com. How do you spell that? Oh, I should tell you that too. Yep, uh, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-V-O-D-R-A-Z-K-A dot com. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Are you that's, also on social media? I am all over social media. I love social media, actually. Yeah, so what, <laughs> what's, your, what's your Facebook channel, for instance? Uh, so Facebook channel is uh, Michelle Julie 36 That's my personal page. I like to have a lot of friends there. But I actually have a professional page as well, which is Michelle Fedraska. So you can find me there. I'm on Twitter under MommyFit, uh, M-O-M-M-E-F-I-T. And on Instagram under Michelle Fedraska. Um, what else have I not mentioned? That, that's a good place to start. Excellent. Excellent. Now, where can people find out about your next speaking gig? On my website. All the information is there. Mm -hmm. um, or they can go to the CanFit Pro website as well, and they can find out when I'm speaking in Toronto. Okay. And your books, they can find those on your website? They can find those on my website, but also on Amazon and at Chapters Online as well. Super job. Super job. Now, Alan, I interrupted you there. Do come back. No, I was wondering where your last name is uh, coming from. Eastern Europe? Yep. Do you want to guess the exact spot? Uh, Polish. See. Polish. Czech. Close. Czech. Hmm. Yeah, my parents are from the uh, Czech Republic, from Prague, and uh, they still go there twice a year to visit for two to three months. And this time they actually took uh, my two youngest girls for a month with them to Prague to show them the sites, um, and they had a fabulous time. They just got back, so... Yeah, they're lucky. Uh, the girls are lucky to go visit Europe. Mm. So lucky, yeah. Super job. Okay, I'm ready for closing. Yep, I've got no more questions. Anything else you want to mention, Michelle? No, I, thank you so much for having me. I mean, that was, uh, that was really fun. I've never done this before, so. Okay, well, That's you can pleasure. express that when we do the closing. <laughs> okay. So, I'm ready. Um, here we go. And... Thank you very much again, Michelle, for being on the Local Paleo Show. And as we say in Texas, à votre santé, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Bye, Alain. Bye, Mark. Thanks Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.
It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to you. Take Thanks. care.